everybody welcome to episode number five of the breaking the plane podcast can't believe we made it to five episodes guys i'll guess number five haven't killed each other yet just want to start off again by saying we're in partnership here with primetime productions check them out on the twitter machine at primetime prods websites primetimeproductions.net a lot of good content out there across all major sports Platforms, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, NBA, college football, podcasts, articles, lots of good content there. So be sure to check us all out there. As always, I'm your host of the ETP pod, Burge. I'm here with the co-host, Joe Schur, and Mr. Third Chair Slash, Mr. Producer over here, Kojak. What's going on, fellas? Happy Halloween. We're recording on Halloween tonight. It's about to get spooky in this bitch. Wow. Yeah, I spent all night <laughs> handing out candy for the kids in my neighborhood. Went through probably fifty dollars worth of candy, so that was a good investment. Had a couple of high school kids decide to be happy about having a certain type of M and M's on my yard, and started humping my yard and tackling each other on my property. Where I was like, "Get the fuck out of here! I don't want a lawsuit out of this. You get hurt on my property, get the fuck out." I'm that old guy now. <laughs> I'm that old guy now that says, "Get off my no lawn." No fun. <laughs> it was funny the first time, but the three kids came back and did it again. So I was like, Zero get the hell out of here. Sir. Get the hell out of here. Um, yeah. So Halloween, always a fun time in my house. Big Halloween family. Went out trick-or-treating with my little three-year-old, Mr. Spider-Man. Hell yeah. Last, lasted a little bit and then was like, I want to go home and see my Grammy who was over the house. So he had his little meltdown before bed. So as usual bedtime in my house chaos so very happy to be sitting down here having a conversation with you guys talking about the nfl and boy do we have a lot to talk about this week we're going to get into the trade deadline which was today october 31st at 4 p.m so a lot of a lot of moves across the nfl uh some some major moves by some super bowl contenders that we'll get into we're going to break down uh four games from last week for you guys the 49ers and the Bengals, the chiefs and the broncos the patriots still suck and the giants And we'll get into our gambling picks for the week, the locks and picks, and uh, maybe some props from Mr. Kojak. And then, um, yeah, I want to just get into it because it was quite a week for me. I was uh, watching the the Patriots game. I was getting all aggravated. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, Joe, let's let's start breaking down the uh, trade deadline that happened today. What what, what were your thoughts on uh, the moves made across the league today? Um, I'm just happy that something went down. We have something to talk about. Uh, first of all, what I was doing during uh, Burge's run down there was a throw up. I don't know if it came out correctly or if it's going to come across great on the audio. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, I know I kind of want to start off with your favorite team. Uh, the Bills going out and identifying that their defense fucking sucks. So they went out and got Razul Douglas. I actually I know you don't like the Bills, but I'm a like low key of a fan of this trade. He's got one more year of control next year under 10 million bucks. I mean, he's not the best. He's not like a top five corner in the league, but he can still play a number one corner and shut down and shut down a good receiver with some help. Um, so I don't mind their, their secondary super banged up. So I don't mind them going out and spending a third round pick, especially when, I mean, <clears throat> when they should be loading up and going for it while they have uh, all their talent on their team now. Um, 
But I don't know. I just it was kind of a weird move from the Packers. I I didn't think the Packers were going to sell. Sometimes you don't want to give young players when you have kind of have like your young nucleus intact. Uh, I didn't. It's kind of weird to give them that message kind of like midway through the season. Um, but I mean, nonetheless, I think that they've done a good job drafting uh, drafting over the last couple of years. So getting a third round pick, a top a top ninety pick. Uh, back will probably be an asset for them. But I just think it's kind of a weird message to send uh, your younger players, especially when you have a pretty good young, young nucleus on offense. Absolutely. And I, I, I do agree with you. You know, I, I absolutely can't stand the Buffalo Bills, but this is the kind of move they need to make. They are absolutely devastated on the defensive side of the ball with their injuries that have hit this team with, you know, Davis White going out, Matt Milano, and then you have your bunch of the week-to-week injuries with like Ed Oliver, Von Miller. All these guys are getting out, you know, a week here, a week there. So addressing their defense, absolutely a major, major point for the Buffalo Bills as the deadline approached today, and they addressed it. Razul Douglas is an absolutely ineffective cornerback. He's been, you know, up in Green Bay. His name always came across on, you know, you watch the Packers game. You always see his name, his name brought up on, you know, when the Packers are on defense. So I, I do agree with you. I hate, I hate it as somebody that hates the Buffalo Bills because I don't want to see them succeed in any way possible. But yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. Great move for the Bills. I, I, I will say I'm, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't see. Well, not disappointed. Let me rephrase it. If I was a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm a little bit disappointed that More. I didn't see them. <laughs> that I didn't see them address the running back position because it seems yeah, for the last more. three years they haven't been able to run the ball effectively. I know James Cook's had a couple of here and there performances, but you need somebody else up there if they if they want to really take take. They signed Leonard for net, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's just yeah. I mean, I just think about. I know he's. I know he's kind of had a longer career here. He's a, more of a vet now, but like I think of his years in Tampa Bay of how useful he was. So hopefully, I know that I know Josh Allen is nowhere close to the cerebral quarterback that Tom Brady was. But hopefully, I think I think to, I think uh, Josh Allen, somebody who like relies on talent, and he's when he's he, that's why he's forced. You see him force the ball to digs a lot. So hopefully, he can see Lenny as like one of those guys who has talent, and they could actually kind of carry a little bit shoulder a little bit more of that load. Because I think, I mean, he might not be a guy that you can give 25 to 30 handoffs to a game, but I think that if you can get him like 15 to 20 touches and take a load off and kind of spread the ball out a little bit more and take a lot of those hits off of Josh Allen, I mean, he's serviceable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I just so It's just so crazy that they can't get Damian Harris going, dude. He was such a productive back with the pass. Well, he's hurt now. He's hurt right now. Oh, true, true. Yeah, he's he hurt, absolutely but, crushed. But the, but. The, the signing seems like it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like this uh, that kind of back that's Band-Aid. average. You know, I mean, yeah. Fournette's above average, but he's older at this point. So, like, it's, yeah, a Band-Aid is a great way to describe it. Great way. What do you think about the, uh, the Bears being buyers and giving up a second-round pick at the deadline for uh, Montez Sweat? A little bit uh, – you go both ways on it. Monta Sweat is an absolutely talented defensive player, somebody who I think is going to help them beyond this year, I, I would hope. I don't, I'm not sure what Monta Sweat's – I think they had to is. get him off that team too. I think I brought up what he said last weekend. He was just like, I'm sick of fucking losing, dog. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Now, now, you're, now you're in Chicago, a team that's losing as well. Like, <laughs> you know I didn't I mean? even think about that. I'm like, damn, you just went from suck to sucker. But, like, yeah. I don't know what Monta Sweat's contract – contract is right now he's a free agent he's a free agent i hope they got an extension uh they're going to work on an extension this week on that because if you're giving up a potentially a high second round pick in the draft for a guy on a team that is really not going to go anywhere this year you better be resigning him and making him a part of your future and he's an absolutely talented defensive player 
I'm happy because that the Patriots don't have to see him this week when they play the Commanders. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but yeah, a, a great pickup for the Bears if it means something beyond this year. If it doesn't, then what, are, what the hell are they doing? Think- they gotta be. They gotta be eyeing some kind of uh, like draft day move with like one of their other young players. Like they have to think that they could get like a second round or like a high pick back for Justin Fields if they're gonna draft twice in the top five. I mean, they're gonna take a quarterback. There's three quarterbacks that are gonna go in the top five, and they're gonna take one of them. So I don't know if they they're, they're kind of being proactive here. Be like, all right, we kind of have a gluttony of picks. Let's actually get a player that we think and. I know we probably didn't come out in the media, but sometimes these teams who are like definitely trading people give them like, all right, cool. We're going to trade you to the bears. Do you want to talk to them before we like trade you there? And then their agent can be like, all right, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're looking for. And then they can kind of like make sure they're good. They're going to the right situation. Um, so hopefully, like you said, hopefully that's kind of what happened here. Um, I personally think this is an overpay. Um, if you do get the contract done and he does play another four years there and he's a productive player, yeah, obviously I can eat crow on this opinion. But seeing well, – obviously we're going to get to Chase Young here, but seeing Chase Young go for a second uh, – a third round pick and giving up a second for Sweat, who, like you said, there is there there also – there is a – even if they had a mutual kind of a, a interest during the trade process, there's not – it's not a 100% chance he's going to resign. You know what I mean? Um, because I mean, you never know. He could be betting on himself, like a lot of players do. He goes off for ten sacks in the last eight games, and now he's looking for twenty, twenty-two million dollars a year. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of an overpay. Uh, I don't think Chicago should have been buyers at deadline, but you could also say that. I mean, they do have the top two. They they do have two of the top four picks right now. So you could be thinking that they're definitely going to be able. They, right now, they have a, they they have a lot of assets, and even if they flip, uh, they go ahead and draft a quarterback and then flip Justin Fields, they'll get anything they they distributed out of this deadline back. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you said, I mean, this pick right now, as it stands today, is. Basically, I don't want to call it an end a late, late first round pick, but that's essentially what it is. It's a high oh, yeah. pick in the yep. second round. You're picking in the mid thirties uh, at this pick, so it's a great, a great move for Washington. I mean, a team they're 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 identifying that they're not going to go really anywhere this year. They're moving these pieces that are going to walk for nothing at the end of the year. So, great move for Washington to get that that high second round pick as they they try to retool their roster. I think they're if gearing they, up to t- pay all their offensive guys. I mean, they're. I think Howell's probably going to be due. They're going to have a couple of skill. Brian Robinson's probably going to mm-hmm. need some money. They, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Ab- absolutely. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. So a great move. Again, a great move by them. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see, like you said, as the draft approaches and as the, you know, as we get closer to that, if the Chicago Bears are going to, you know, do some moving around the draft board, moving around with their assets to kind of re- recoup that that early second round pick maybe they end up finding a way to get a late first round pick out of the deal you know what i mean so mm-hmm. if that all works out and they sign sweat to an extension it's it's where they good keep move. fields trade out of the number one get harrison with the four get a you can get a late first and a second kind of get what you want exactly. back yeah. no i get I, yeah i think they do have a lot of position to manipulate the board i don't know if they're uh i can't i'm their gm is slipping my mind right now he's a young guy i don't i he's Super is it, Pace? Is it Ryan Pace? Ryan Pace is he still the guy there? With the guy who hired Matt I Nagy? I think I think he's no, still there. Kojak, who's the GM of the Bears? GM of Bears. I can't. His name is. I think it's Ryan Pace. Ryan Poles. Poles. I was close. I was close. He's uh he's a former player, but um yeah I he yeah, he's a young guy so I don't know how much they can actually manipulate the board but I think they got a fucking haul 
for their pick last year. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, we could probably do a, another whole thing on the Bears here, but like kind of like how they're situated right now. They, they I remember I think what was it the the Cleveland they got Johnny Manziel and Denzel Ward for like with like the number one and the number four picks. Uh, no Baker Mayfield and Denzel yeah. Ward. What are we talking about? And um, I don't think either of those guys are still on the team. <laughs> so like, hopefully, uh, hopefully the bears don't squander it as much, but I think uh, the bears are set up in a good place. I think it was surprising that there were buyers, but I don't think, I think they, they gave up, they gave up a lot, but I don't think it was, it's a, it's a horrible move. Cause like we said, how, how many picks they really do have and how many assets they really do have. Yep, Absolutely. And then, you know, like you said, I, I, I can buy a little bit of the overpay argument just based on, on, the move you want to talk about next year with Chase Young going to the 49ers. What are your thoughts on that? I think this was telegraphed from when they declined his fifth year option, dude. I, I, I think, like I said, I think they're really going to have to pay. I don't think the, the, the new owners of the Washington Redskins are looking to like pay like commanders eight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can bleep Kojak. 1250. Make sure you bleep out my slur. Got you, pal. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Uh, they, I think they got a lot of guys to pay coming up. I think edge rushers and uh, outside guys on defense are going to be uh, obviously a premium position with the emphasis on the passing game now. You're going to have to pay Sam Howell. You're going to have to pay some of the pass catchers there. You're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to pay. You might have to pay Brian Robinson. But um, yeah, I think that uh, Chase Young's a good player. Uh, he's he's almost like a little Jadavion Clowney to me. I don't. Uh, he feels like a, a physical specimen who can kind of like is in he's like a hand grenade. He can go off at any time, but I think his consistency needs a little bit of work. Uh, Burge, I don't know how many times you're going to say it on this episode, but the last episode, best availability is best ability is availability. He's barely on the field, um, so I, I, I want to see how it works out. But I mean, <laughs> that front seven is an absolute fucking nightmare. So I, I think it'll be unique because I think uh, I think that uh, Chase can play inside on some passing downs. I think if you use him in a sub package, you can use him on the inside. And I I mean, imagine just trying to block like Chase Young and and and, and Bosa in a, mm-hmm. in a in a third and long situation on the same in the same side of the line. Like you're gonna have to chip with the tight end. You're gonna have to help give the guard help on the inside. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty 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 loaded front seven. Absolutely, I I'll echo that. I think that San, this is a San Francisco move that they're loading up. They're really you know they're in the midst of a three game losing streak right now. We'll get into that in a little bit later when we start breaking down the games from last week. But absolutely slam dunk move by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I still like the move for Washington because again they're. Building assets, I mean, we maybe want to call this a little bit of an underpay because I, I would call it a little bit of an underpay if, you know, you're going to compare it against Montez Sweat, maybe against some of the other stuff. I even think it's it's not even an overpay if he doesn't re-sign. No, if, you go, if you go to the Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl and he doesn't re-sign, this is worth it. This is worth it 100%. As a pure rental, absolutely. A third-round pick for a rental for one of uh, – former defensive rookie of the year. I mean, if second overall pick. Uh, he's always been kind of around, and uh, you know I can remember back. I think it was might have been the 2020 season when when Brady and and the Bucks went and played Washington in the playoffs. Dude, they almost they won almost that beat, game. They almost, they almost beat game, him. Yeah, yeah, they almost yeah. beat him, and he was a big part of that. So I, I think this is an absolutely fantastic move for a team that is trying to really get over that hump 
to get to a Super Bowl title, loading up their defense, knowing that they have all the talent they need on offense to to really get there. Maybe the quarterbacks in question, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, absolute slam dunk. And if he resigns there long term, I mean, my God, you're gonna have Bosa yeah. and and Chase Young long term on that defense with the a lot talent of assets tied offense. up in your front seven, though. Yeah, they absolutely. Got, they got Fred Warner too. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, if you if they let him walk in free agency, I still think it's a steal. Like mm-hmm. I think this is I don't know. I it's ever since it worked for the Rams, I am all for loading up. Just fucking go for it. You know what I mean? Like the Eagles went and got a safety guy, Kevin Byard from uh the Titans. I, I, I just like I I I I fucking love it. I love it. I'm I'm jealous, but I don't want to come off as a hater and be <clears throat> Uh, my kind of uh, analysis skewed by uh, being a scorned lover, but uh, yeah, I think uh, like we said, this this is a slam dunk. Even if it's a, even if he walks, I think the matchups that it creates on the inside and the outside of that front seven of the 49ers is uh, it's more than worth a third round pick. I think I think you can I think you could probably argue that a first round pick might have been still a, still a pretty good pretty good deal here. He, I know you're going to have to guarantee a contract after that, but I think third round pick is just phenomenal. Absolutely. And like you, you brought up the Rams when they loaded up and they won their title, they're paying for it now, obviously, you know, with some of the contracts they have and the, the lack of draft capital that they have, but they got a Super Bowl title out of it. Absolutely great. Not something that that type of play has not something that you've been really seen in the NFL, you know, mm. before the Rams really started to do it. Or at I least think- it working. Remember in 2011, the Eagles loaded up and they fucking sucked. Yeah, I mean, this is an example of it working. And I think, you know, seeing the types of moves that are happening, you're seeing rentals happening. Like you know, most of these guys, I mean, most of the teams that these guys are being traded to for these draft picks are all teams that have established cores, you know, a lot of money tied up in their in in their, you know, their superstar players. And you see it across the other sports leagues, not to cross sports again, but like you see it happen in the NHL, you see it happen in the NBA where these teams They'll throw the first round picks around like nobody's business to build a team. But the Bruins did it last year. They went all out. They sold out. Yeah, Celtics too. Celtics did it this year. And you know, it's it's that kind of thing where you you load up for the for the talent. And maybe we're starting to see a more of a across the league shift in the mentality of these GMs where, hey, let's capitalize and we're okay losing a third or second round pick for a rental when we think we have a legitimate shot to win a title. And I also think they're like way less shameless about how much of a sham the salary cap is. I feel like like there used to be almost this like unwritten rule where like don't load up like a jackass and like pay out a bunch of guaranteed money and keep people at like minimum salaries while you're giving them like five hundred thousand dollar like training camp roster mm-hmm. bonuses and shit. So like I feel like there's also like a little bit of a manipulation factor here where I feel like I think owners are finally ready to spend and they can kind of see the return on investment there. I think you get a Super Bowl, especially for that LA team, getting a Super Bowl and legitimizing that team in that town was kind of a little bit more important than like kind of like maybe like legacy and stuff like that. If you get where I'm coming from in history. Absolutely. So I think that, yeah. And I think that the, the, the Niners are at a point where they've been knocking on the door for so fucking long. They're like, when is this going to meet a tipping point? Like, are we just going to keep drafting guys in the third round? No, let's dump a third round pick on a legitimate, like legitimate, like pro bowl talent. And let's see, let's see if it makes a difference. And I think I love that, dude. I love that. I, I even like going, but I don't want to keep going backwards here, but dude, the bears, dude, the fucking, they got another dude. The bears have a good defense, dude. They're, they're, they're young quarterback, cornerback tried to ask for a trade. I, I keep forgetting names. Right? But he, 
Was it him? And, he, and yeah. he couldn't find a trade today, but he like he was like, you know what? I think after the fucking trade, he was like, you know what? They're, it looks like they're investing in this team. Like, I'm gonna stick around. Like, I think this would be somewhere that I could be happy. So, like, I don't know. I think that there's it's more, but it's sometimes it's more it's more than just adding a good player onto your roster. I think there's more. I guess almost holistic fucking values yeah. to these trades where it like makes people believe and makes people buy in a little bit more. Like you said, the, the Niners are on a skid right now. Then, then they bring in former rookie of the year, Chase Young, and it's like third, whatever, it's fourth season looking really good. Like that, that'll, that'll, that's a shot in the arm. That's a jolt to a team. The cat, the cap is crap. I think we've all know. Okay. I know the quote, to quote the, the talk show Cap's here in, in Boston. can be managed, uh, maneuvered in many different ways. Okay, okay, Bill, settle down over there. All right. <laughs> no, seriously, you can restructure contracts. You can add void years on the contracts. Like, there's there's no real salary cap. Like, it can be manipulated in so many different ways that, you know, team if teams are smart enough to take advantage of it, good for them until they change the rules and they make it, like, maybe they make it a hard cap like the NHL or they institute a, a tax structure like Major League Baseball. Too I think the NBA, M- NBA does it too, right? NBA has uh, three, uh, two. I think they might have added a third, but they have two separate tax aprons. Yeah, you can go over by this much and you get taxed, dude. There was something like before, like all these contracts were going crazy when the players were still making like under forty million dollars a season. That uh, Steph Curry was like, like his contract with like how much it cost the Warriors was almost like twice as much as he was getting paid because of like how far into the luxury tax they were. Mm-hmm. But I mean. They all took less so they could stay together. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I don't I don't see the NFL salary cap changing anytime soon. So it's just going to keep going up and getting easier, dude. So keep these moves coming. I mean, keep them coming. I the only other move that was that I I personally want to talk about here before we 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 move on to the week seven games is the uh, the Minnesota Vikings going oh, yeah. out and get and acquiring Josh a quarterback, Dobbs. Josh Dobbs from the Arizona Cardinals. They acquired a. Dobbs in a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick. Kirk Cousins tore his, AC, uh, tore his Achilles in the game. I don't know if you guys you, we we shared the video on our, in our Twitter group yeah. here, but you could see that you could see the same type of thing with Aaron Rodgers. You see that calf flex as it as it happens. So you can see like yep. He's, Sometimes he's, we just don't need like four K and eight K. Like just <laughs> no. just let me know in thirty minutes when he goes back into the locker room. Like <laughs> I don't need to see his leg reverberate eight times. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, should we tell? Should we finally tell Burge why we call everybody Jim? Yeah, this is an appropriate time, I think. Go for it. So we're all watching. We're all watching. This is a couple of years ago. We're all watching football on the on the couch at uh, Kojak and I's old place. We're watching the Cowboys game. Dak Prescott rolls oh, out, gets landed on. I yeah, this his shit is due south, due south, pointing the wrong way. Yep. And then Tony Romo's dumbass. Gets on the broadcast and he goes, "I think it's just a cramp, Jim." And right we all said that. lost no, 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 no. our minds. We didn't lose it just yet. We didn't lose it just right. So he said, "He goes, damn, my host is just. I hope it's just a cramp, Jim." And right when he said, "Jim," the camera operator pointed at Dak, and Dak is just holding his leg like this in his Gordon Hayward shit is a ninety degree way. angle. It was so bad. It was the funniest thing. And this was what four years ago, three years ago. Oh yeah, it lives. It lives forever. To this day, we call each other Jim. And then sometimes, (laughs) like, who the fuck is Jim? So shout out to all the gyms listening. Yeah, Yeah. shout out to the gyms. That's great. That's that's the gym dance too. 
Yeah. Hello, yeah, friends. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Jim Nancy. Yeah, that's why we call it. Come that's on the pod, Jim. We got a we got some shit to tell you. Some master's tickets. <laughs> oh man, that's a great story. Yeah, but I I could do without seeing the injuries too. I'm there with you guys. Uh, oh, you can watch the hockey injury, Joe. No, no, we're not. No, 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 no. New topic. New topic. New topic. We're not gonna get it. Yeah, that. I think Josh Dobbs. I think Josh Dobbs going to uh, the Vi- I, I don't know. It just feels like he was he was too good for the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Like I feel like they were like, get this dude the fuck off the team. He's actually managing the game properly, dude. And I feel like they were almost like I don't know. I watched a couple of the games and they were almost like running plays like counter to his skill set. So I don't know. I think it's good. They're probably going to try to ramp Kyler back up here. I think he'll be good. It'll be a good showcase to probably try to dump him before the end of the year because I think they're going to try to draft another quarterback. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know what. I don't know the Vikings. The Vikings feel dead. I don't know if Josh Dobbs is the answer, but it kind of sucks that that kind of shoots them kind of that cool Cinderella story kind of right in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they 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 had a really bad start to the season. They climbed back to five hundred. Uh, you know, the four and four now, and I it, it's kind of like a guy they want to just plug in to manage the game. I mean, uh, hopefully, Justin Jefferson comes back. I mean, the rookie Jordan Addison as a receiver is is showing yeah. up in Justin Jefferson's absence. I don't know if that's going to hurt Justin Jefferson's, you know, the the, the people what people think about him and and all that, you know, being there in Minnesota maybe attributing some of it to the the scheme and the play calling that's going on with Kirk Cousins there. I'm well, not I mean, I, look at I, them look at them drafted wide receivers though. I know. Diggs, Jefferson and Addison the last I, like what 7 years and then I they had know. Randy Moss and Chris Carter before that. I know their scouts are probably not the same from that previous generation but it's crazy how it like stays in the blood like that. Absolutely. And you know, I it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm I'm very very into or interested to see how it looks because I'm a Justin Jefferson fantasy football owner in a dynasty league. So I want to see how this looks for the rest of the season as my team is running away with my division. And I want to see if Justin Jefferson is actually going to be a piece that I can actually count on to produce the same with Josh Dobbs as a, you know, that as he did with, with Kirk cousins. So that was the only move. That was the last move for me. I don't know if you got anything more to talk about the trade deadline, Joe, you want to get into anything else or you want to move on to the, uh, to the games. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the Patriots right now, but it's just like the fact that they didn't fucking trade any of these dudes that are like hanging on, like not mm-hmm. signed. It's just so fucking aggravating. And I'm so fucking done watching this goddamn football team every week. I fucking buy a new TV. I buy a new TV on Saturday night, so it's ready for Sunday afternoon because at 107, when Mac Jones throws his first fucking interception, I heave, I heave a Vizio into my fucking driveway, dude. It's so aggravating. Anyway, so speaking of trade deadline acquisitions, how about them 49ers? They laid a fucking egg. They did. They absolutely did. They had a formidable opponent this week, though, in the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I, I think it says a little bit more about the Bengals than it does about the 49ers. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, Took the I, words right out of my mouth. I, I think that the Bengals are finding their stride after their absolutely atrocious start that they had to the season. I think that they're they're, they're kind of coming into their own here. I don't know if I, you clearly feel the same way as me on this, Joe. Uh, Joe Burrow only threw four incompletions in this game. He was 28 of 32. 283 and three TDs. I fucking I, love Joe Burrow, dog. Dude, uh, real, real quick, uh, before we, we, we go further in the game, did you guys happen to see the Sunday Night Football countdown, you know, the pregame uh, stuff where they had the mentalists go into that locker room? 
and to the Bengals locker yeah, room. I didn't get to I didn't get to watch the whole thing. Dude, no. my mind was blown. Like unless one of the guys that was in that in that room was in on in on the, like the the performance and had a heads up as to what was coming, what they were doing and what they showed blew my mind. It was like I think it was Tyler Boyd, the the, the mentalist, asked him like write down on your on your uh, on your whiteboard or whatever that he had or pad of paper what grade you were in when you had your first kiss and what the name of the girl was. And then he had Joe Burrow at the front after he wrote it down. He couldn't see it. It was, it was closed. He couldn't see it. He's like, Joe, what was, what grade was he in? They said fifth grade. He was right. And then he asked him the name of the girl. Impossible to know this. And Tyler Boyd even said, he's like, I've never talked about this with, with Joe Burrow. He got the fucking name, right? Holy shit. He asked him the name and he just said it. It was like, Instant thought. He didn't even have to sit there and think about That's it. It was just wild. like he spit out a name and it was right. I urge you and I urge our listeners to go and check out that clip because again, there's no indication that these guys were in on the in on the performance. They were all like, oh, I've never talked about this. I don't even know who this guy is. I didn't even know who the guy was. But they showed it and I dude, I was sitting there watching. I was like, this is blowing my mind. Like, how is and it what he didn't just do it with Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd? He did it like who is he gonna he's like the, the mentalist was sitting up there. He had he wrote a name on a piece of paper. Joe Burrow had a football. He said, "Throw a football to somebody in this room," and he wrote down the name of the guy he was going to throw the football to. I think it was the guy's name was Trenton. He, no. he turned he threw it to Trenton, and he had the name written Trenton on the piece of paper. He wrote it before he threw the ball. No way, no yeah. possible way that he would have known it unless. Dude, unless this is this falls it. into the same category as the Vikings playing fucking Creed in the locker room, but when you picked against them, these are, we need to know like this shit. Prior to making our picks, like, all right, coaches that are listening, I would say maybe like 28 out of 32, maybe 25 out of 32, the ones that are listening, text me and let me know when you do this shit. If you got Gallagher in there smashing smashing watermelons, I need to fucking know. If you got the mentalist twisting brains, I need to know. If you play Creed for more than three consecutive minutes, I need to know. (laughs) These are things we need to know before we make our picks. Absolutely. But I, I wanted to bring that up because I was, I was, it's been a while since something like that has blown my mind, but I'm like, oh, how the heck does this guy know this stuff? And it's like, yeah. it's pure, pure mental, like manipulation or magic, whatever you want to call it. But like, it was impressive. So I urge every one of you guys to go check it out. It's really entertaining, but getting back to the game here. Yes. Um, the Bengals. Like you the, said, this is a hundred percent more about the Bengals though. This is, Finally hitting their stride. I think it's another one of those things where it's like, this is like a microcosm of like how important the quarterback is. You know what I mean? When he's hurt and hobbled and not playing great at the beginning of the season, team looks legit. Even other things that the quarterback doesn't even affect look fucking horrible. So like, I just think it's so crazy how like it's another thing like we were just talking about the trade. It's like buy-in factor and belief. Like it's a, such a it's such a physical and arduous sport that like the belief factor in 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 the buy-in factor is such a big component here. And I think Joe Burrow is a guy that people just want to play for. I mean, the dude, the dude is cool as fucking ice, bro. Joe I mean, cool, baby. He he had one of those. He had uh, uh, one of my buddies put it into the into one of our group chats where it was just Joe Burrow like evading like nine guys in the fucking pocket, rolling out and throwing an absolute dart while getting tackled. It's like there's a lot of things you can teach, but you can't teach like space that kind of spatial awareness, that kind of like 
mm-hmm. el- elusiveness and qu- quick thinking. And dude, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to go out and make people miss in the open field. But being able, like, if you're a pocket passer, being able to make people miss in the pocket and then throw accurately on the run, that adds like a whole different dimension. And it's not like Mahomes where it's more unstructured. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. he's like. He's standing in there and making sure his first, second, third read isn't open, and then he's making a play. Where I feel like sometimes Mahomes is like backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. I've got a crazy arm. Let's make something happen. So, I uh, like you said, it, it means ten times more about the Bengals. But I do want to say Brock Purdy threw two of the most dagger interceptions in the second half, dude. That defense was making some stops in the mm-hmm. second half. They were down by seven points. They needed a touchdown. Back-to-back drive. I think it was back-to-back drives or two out of three drives in a row. Um, uh, Purdy throws interceptions. And it's just – you can – you can. Yeah. another note I have here, and I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if it's as, as stunning as I think it is, but they had 20 targets between two players. Between, between um, 20 out of 33 targets went to Kittle and Ayuk. So when you take Debo out of that offense – and you kind of centralize it. Purdy ended up being the leading rusher over McCaffrey. He That's wasn't getting it done on the run. Yeah, so it's like we talk about – I mean, you talk about that all the time. If your quarterback's your leading rusher, you're, you're, you're kind of up shit's creek. So um, I – I don't want to be like one of those pundits who kind of just like puts a puts a nail in the coffin here. I don't. I personally don't believe that Purdy should have played today. I think Kyle Shanahan's kind of a dickhead for that. I think sometimes you have to save a player from himself. I think you're a good enough team where you could probably plug and play another quarterback, just like you did all the way to the NFC Championship game last year. So, um, yeah, I think it says a lot more about the Bengals, but I think there's a lot to figure out with the 49ers. But I do think that adding a good piece on the uh, on the defensive line and even farther bolstering that defense will obviously, like I said before, give a nice jolt to the team. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they ran the ball 23 times in this game. Brock Purdy had six of them for 57. McCaffrey was 12 for 54. And then the guys after him, Eliza Mitchell and Kyle Juszczyk, of all people, totaled two yards on five carries. That's not a recipe for success. If you're going to rely on Christian McCaffrey to be your guy, he's got to be your guy. And you've got to ride him. He did have six receptions in this game too. So outside of Ayuk and Kittle, he was the next highest targeted player with seven. But after those three, there was nobody. Ray Ray McLeod had two targets and Eliza Mitchell had one. Like they, they absolutely miss Debo Samuel, but at the same time, they have enough talent on that offense to yeah, I was just thinking make that, that go. I was like, to make that go. We're, we're bitching about somebody being out. And I'm like, you're just rattling off fucking first team all pros. Yes, exactly. And they, I don't know if it, they, they did get down a little bit early, but I mean, at halftime, it was 14 to 10 in this game. So it was a game and it was 17 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. So th- those interceptions were definitely a key in this for the, um, for the Bengals to outscore, you know, the, the 49ers in the last, in the last frame of the, of the game. I, 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 I'm still a believer in what the San Francisco 49ers are doing. If I start seeing Brock Purdy again, make these kind of mistakes that he was not making up until three weeks ago, he was not making these mistakes at all. And if he's going to continue, maybe he's got a little bit of the yips back there. He's he's in his own head. The confidence is kind of. Dude, they gone. got the yips, and they rushed him back from a concussion, bro. Yeah, like, so, that's not a re- dude. I don't care what you think about head injuries, dude. I don't like. I'm not going to get into that right now. But you still bumped your head. You're not going to be fine. You're not yeah. going to be the same person less than a week after. You're not. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. 
Absolutely. I agree. I mean, he still did throw 365 yards. So yeah. it's not like he wasn't wasn't productive. It's just the, the timing and the, the time of the game where those those interceptions occurred were were big. So I want to see him correct those mistakes going forward to kind of keep the 49ers on my radar as the NFC champion. I think that um, it's 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 something that is going to need to be monitored with the NFC going forward because the, the Eagles are still still rolling and there's a couple other teams in there that are starting to take their steps forward and that could beat the 49ers on any given Sunday come the playoffs. So definitely something to keep keep an eye on. We're all on the same – I think we're on the same page about the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get into that, a little, I think, a little bit into our picks coming up too. We'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. But at this point, I want to move on to another, you know, formidable opponent in the AFC, on the AFC side of this thing, an AFC contender. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs uh, went into mile high, play the Denver Broncos, a divisional game. And they kind of got their butts whooped in this one. 24 to nine was the, was the final score. Uh, Mahomes throws two interceptions in this game. Uh, How much, how much do you want to blame the weather for this one, Joe? Uh, So, I am one of those crazy people who thinks weather benefits the offense. I think when you remove some footing and you remove a little bit of the sureness of like the field that you're playing on, that knowing where you're going to cut and knowing where you're going to go becomes an even larger advantage. If you get what I'm saying, yep. like, I mean, one of our favorite Patriots game is when they absolutely donkey stomped the, uh, um, the Titans, uh, the Titans yep. in the snow. And it was like, first of all, the Patriots wanted to be there and they were used to it. But second of all, dude, sometimes if you're just, if you just know where you're going and a, and a cornerback is backpedaling and you're just like, I'm just going to step on the gap, dude, like you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a, I, I think there's a, there's a big advantage when you play offense in the snow versus the defense. So I think that it was a factor, but not, <laughs> I think it's a double negative on KC at that point. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. I mean, Russell Wilson only threw for 114 yards in this game. I mean, he did throw three touchdowns and, you know, looking at the, at the yards in this game, they ran all over Kansas city, 40 carries, 153 yards across the four guys that carried the ball. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's incredible to see that Casey would, would, would come up and lay an egg like this. I don't think that we've seen this, this type of performance. I mean, two interceptions from Mahomes. He was sacked three times in this one. Russell Wilson was sacked six times. So, I mean, they, they were in this game enough, I, I would say, but they just didn't, it did, just didn't result in, on the scoreboard. So I'm not ready to write Casey off after this game. I still think that they're, they're, they're basically the same team they were to me before they go in and they lay the egg to Denver. I don't they, – the divisional games are tough on the road. You had the weather environment. You're playing in Denver where they're, you know, mile high up and, you know, the altitude always had, always plays a factor for these guys when they go up there. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's impressive that the, that the Broncos were able to do it considering how bad that they have been this year. And, you know, as, as a Patriots fan with my team kind of going down the tubes, I'm happy that they kind of got this win here because it, it, it improves the Patriots draft picks. Um, but did you guys see, did you guys see at the end of the game after the Broncos won what they played in the stadium? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I'm here that. for it. I'm here for it because 
I, I absolutely can't. Well, you're the biggest it. troll of all fucking time. No shit you're here for some fucking trolling, bro. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think that the Chiefs are going to be all right. Uh, you know, they've, they've done enough. They've done enough to, to show that they're still the cl- part of the class. I won't say the class, but they are part of the class of the AFC. And I think that we're going to, we're going to continue to see it. Denver, this doesn't move the, this is going to be kind of like the Buffalo bills win for the Patriots last week. It's going to be kind of that fluky win that they get against a divisional opponent. They're still going to be a bad team the rest of the year. And I'm surprised that they didn't at the trade deadline, move one of their wide receivers of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. I can't believe, I, I think that's the whole buy-in thing that I was talking about before. I don't think they wanted it to all go to shit. Cause I think if they, cause I don't think they're getting a first for Judy. And I think if they didn't get a first for Judy, they wouldn't have been able to justify it. I want to do a little blind taste test with you guys. So I'm going to give you a quarterback A and quarterback B. I'm sorry I'm shoehorning this in here, but I just thought of this. Go for it. But um, uh, Kojak, pay attention. Um, I'm going to give you a quarterback A, quarterback B. You got to you got to pick one of the two, okay? So quarterback A has um, okay. Stat muse. 22 quarterback quarterback uh, quarterback A 2200 yards a 68 percent completion percentage 15 touchdowns eight picks a 95.8 quarterback rating or you can have quarterback B who in one last game has 1600 yards has 16 uh, passing touchdowns four interceptions and has a 101.7 quarterback rating all right. Would you guys want quarterback A or would you want quarterback B? I have to ask you a question before we get into this. Is one of these guys Josh uh, Allen? Nope. Okay, good. I don't want to get shoehorned into picking Josh Allen. That would have been a bad <laughs> you, move. You, damn, I should have thought of that before you did, but no, I did not. Um, I, I, I want to say, you know, just going off the blind test there, I'm going to go with the guy that turns the ball over less. I want a guy that's going to protect the ball. And I want I, if there's going to be a little bit less production on the offensive side of things, I want to I want to hope that the team that this guy is a quarterback for is, has a significant running game that backs him up. So I'm going to go with okay. B. I'm going to go with B. Okay. Okay. Go, Jack. What do you want? <laughs> I hate your fucking little smirk. You over here talking. He's fucking. You know. Um. Yeah, I kind of have to agree. Um. Damn. Oh, you pick quarterback B. Okay, you dumb fucks picked Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so isn't that? But isn't still isn't that crazy how you can go it blind is. taste test like that, is, dude? He's getting dude. The the Broncos are getting a lot of shit, dude. He has a four to one fucking touchdown to interception ratio with a almost a one oh two fucking rating. The average rating in the league is under ninety percent mm-hmm. right now, and this dude has a one oh one point seven, bro. Like I. There's a lot of shit going wrong there, but I don't – and I think it's probably a lot to do with more, like, roster composition than it is, like, raw ability. But, like, I don't think Russ is the problem. That's my new That's my new take here. I'll still say that he's part of the problem, even with those numbers that you're throwing at me. I just think that his – Oh, he makes my skin crawl whenever I see his ego. face or I hear him talk, dude. I don't, oh, I, I, don't, I don't think he's a good locker room guy is what I'm kind of getting. I, I think he's kind of yeah. all about him. And you hear some of the reports that came out of Seattle before he left – and, oh, yeah. and and all that like he's just a guy that rubs me the wrong way you know when he first came into the league he was a great story but like now he's like let's ride broncos country let's ride like <laughs> yeah, mr yeah. unlimited like screw you dude like you're all about yourself like you can have great yeah. numbers and all that but it's just showing like you can't lead a team 
as part of it. Like it's your team. You've had two years now. So I, he's just a guy that like, like you said, rubs you the wrong way, but we can go into another, another team that's kind of rubbing us the wrong way now. And that's the, uh, the lovely New England Patriots. And they were in action on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. They end up losing this game 31 to 17. And down in Miami where the Patriots have, it's been a house of horrors for this team. Pretty much since Bill Belichick arrived in 2000. It's been 23 years where the team has always had ghosts or whatever show up when they go down there to play. This game, to me, uh, watching the full game, was a lot closer than the, the, the final score indicates. The final score indicates a blowout to me, and I don't believe that it was that. Um, I think that the, the Patriots were in this game. They were in this game pretty much the whole way to the end, and they – did what they always do. They find a way to shoot themselves in the foot and blow it. I think this game was lost at the end of the first half when Mac Jones, almost borderline red zone, throws an absolutely egregious interception. I don't want to hear that Jalen Ramsey baited What a tone-deaf play call for a, a quarterback with a new yeah. alarm. Uh, it, it, it's not a baited play. It was not a baited play by Jalen Ramsey. Oh. Mac Jones Didn't threw into a it, duck. It. Yeah. It, was, it was a perfectly on-target on duck if Jalen Ramsey didn't read it and jump to make the play. It was hitting Kendrick Bourne right in the hands, but he lobs it when he should have drove that ball in there. And at that point, that was a ten. That play, that pick was a ten point swing because the Dolphins ended up kicking a field goal at the end of the first half. Patriots were driving the ball; they were looking all right. They scored first in this game. The defense was looking all right at that point, outside of the Tyree Kill interception, which is another play. It was like, whoa, like what are you doing, like? You know what they're. You know what the Dolphins are going to try to do to you, and you let it happen. But yeah, they lost the game at that point, and you know they had. It, they were still in it from the last to the last plays of the game. They needed to stop from the defense, one stop. And as in true Patriots fashion, over the last, I'll even call it eight nine years, when that defense needs a stop, I don't care how well they've played all game. When they need an effing stop, they can never get it. They can never get it. It's like you need to force a punt. You need to force a punt. You have you're making the Dolphins go pretty much the whole way down the field because they get the ball from a touchback at the 25. You need one stop. One stop. And they cannot get it. And they make the they look like absolute fools on the touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle, where both the defenders, I forget who they were, jump Tyree Kill on the under route and Jalen Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle. Jack Jones and Duggar. They just walk. He he. Uh, nobody within ten yards of him walks right in the end zone. Game ceiling play. Game over. What are your yeah. thoughts? Well, do you remember how the game in Miami ended? The uh, the first half of the game in Miami ended last year. I don't remember. A touchdown to Jalen Waddle on busted coverage from Kyle Duggar. So I don't want to get into the. I don't want to get into the 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 two Rams on the hill butting heads already. But dude, this this game is on fucking coaching. The, the the Patriots couldn't get out of their own way with the refs. I know that I will be the first to admit this was an a infuriatingly inept crew that did this game. It was it was infuriating. But I will say that the Patriots did commit more penalties than the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Will you say Fair. that? Okay. Fair. So Fair. I Absolutely. think where the Patriots are at right now in these games is you're totally right, dude. You're totally right. The game was over as soon as Mac Jones 
through that interception. This is a dead team. They're a front-running team. They do not have the motivation factor from their head coach to go out, they go in at halftime, be like, hey, guys, I know we didn't have him in the first half, but, like, let's go win one for the Gipper. No, it's like, all right, guys, we're going to go from uh, cover two to cover three. Um, I think we're going to have to uh, run the ball a little bit more in the second half to uh, keep the Dolphins on the side. No, no, you need that. And that game – needed that's a that's a divisional opponent that's a close game at halftime that needs a rah-rah guy but i just i'm just broken dude i just the game the the, the kendrick Bourne gets hurt your three best players on your fucking team are hurt you you have a quarterback that's not the answer you have a 71 year old coach who just got extended you have a defense that can't make a stop when it wants to you have you have young guys who can't even get on the who can't even get on the game day roster either due to lack of performance or lack of love from the coaching staff you have veterans that are not playing until the last play of the fucking game you have People making mistakes, mental mistakes all over the field. Leaders like Kyle Duggar making mental mistakes all over the field. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, as a Patriots fan, it is the most disheartening, like, thing I've had to go through. We've had it so fucking good. It's been such a buttoned up, great operation for so long that it's, I can't believe it's taken so long for some people like myself to get here where it's just, it's just broken right now. And something, I know we beat the Bills, but like, dude, some, there's, there's, there's something that stinks with this team. There's something stinks. Something smells like fucking shit, dude. It stinks. You want to know what stinks? It's the talent on the team. All right. This, <laughs> yeah, the players team, on the fucking team. Stink. This that team. Makes sense. This team. I, I, I'll, I'll push back on the coaching thing. And you know, you know where I stand on the whole thing. I'll push back on that. I don't think this game was on was was about coaching as much as it was that the Dolphins have so much superior talent and speed, whatever you want to call it, on their roster than the Patriots do. You knew once that, that interception happened, and you knew once the defense gave up a field goal there, that the game was over. Okay. The the amount of the, the lack of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because I feel that when healthy, I know they're not healthy right now, but when healthy, the defense has the talent to to compete. Maybe not to be an elite unit, a top, you know, three unit in the league, but they are a competitive unit and they are good enough to play in the in the in you know pretty much anybody with the coaching that they have but let's not forget the Dolphins came out of half in this game the first play of the half when they got the ball they look stupid and they fumble the ball at like the the, the 30 like like a 30 yard line they get the Patriots get the ball they go three and out they can't do anything They, they couldn't even move they couldn't even move forward they put a touchdown in there on that on that possession when they get the ball back, you completely eliminate Mac Jones's interception from the from the talking points of this game. That completely eliminates it because your defense made a play. Well, you could say they they recovered the fumble, and they went Still, down and they yeah. scored. It's a completely different game at that point. But the offense couldn't do it. And well, the two dude, the plays you're bringing up, dude, like or the where you started with like the the waddle play, like that's coaching. Like you have two players with their eyes in the backfield on the fucking crazy Mike McDaniel's motion, who let the second like uh, top what twelve receiver, top ten receiver in the league run right fucking by them, and then you have um, I forget the other point, but like dude, you have like you have legitimate like you have a skill deficiency 
100 fucking percent but like you have you also have a scheme deficiency like the patriots modern offense dude did you see what did you see the, like that mac interception dude they tried to do a zoom motion with yeah. fucking douglas wrapping behind the quarterback and coming back around throwing it into a cover like into a hole on the cover two on the other side so they have the they have the they have douglas peel back they have the corner bite up and then you throw it to you throw it to kendrick Bourne out the boundary but dude like you don't have like in practice, dude. That's a scout team player throw. That's not fucking Jalen Ramsey. Like, mm -hmm. dude, these are like why that play call is so out of tune with the actual skill mm -hmm. you have on the team. So maybe I'm not talking about Bill every time that I'm talking about coaching deficiencies here, but like that's a coaching deficiency. That's a bad mental mistake by Mac Jones. But he's putting that calling that play in the first place. That's a one. That's a one read play. That's a one read play. You're 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 doing all that motion. You're calling that play to hit Kendrick Bourne down the sidelines. That's what you're doing there. And that's just an out of it's an out of touch play call. And I think this might go even higher than Bill because I don't think Bill brought in Bill O'Brien. I think he was okay with Kraft bringing in Bill O'Brien. I think that was more how that went. But I mean, like you said, they have the horses on defense, but Bill Bell, uh, Bill's son, fucking Steve, can't get a fucking stop. They have they have no horses on offense, and they have a they have a play caller who's a little bit stuck in his ways and a little bit a little bit outdated on the in the modern game. And it's just it's it, it's it's fuck. I cannot wait to go in that ayahuasca hut, dude. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I gotta cleanse all this negativity, bro. I I'll give you I'll give you the fact that they called that play. That's on coaching, and that they 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 should not be doing that. That the team is not built to go that route. They're not built for it. No. They're not built. No. They're not. They don't have. They don't have enough talent. They don't have the talent on offense. And they the had timeouts. They could have ran the ball there, dude. They could have like. They could have yeah, done absolutely. a lot. Bro. I would have much rather. This team was built to be a run first team. That's how they have been built for the last. We'll call it the last three years. We'll call it post Brady. That's how they are building the team, and for one reason or another, whether it's the blocking or it's 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 Stevenson himself, but he has not looked the same as he did last year. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, dude, he did have a couple plays today where he, he looked slippery, like he did last uh, on Sunday. He had a couple plays like it, dude. That we talked about it last week, dude. If the if the if the offensive line could get him on linebackers and fucking cornerbacks every rush, dude, they fall off him, dude. I, I, no, I agree with you, and he's that kind of runner that can bulldoze those those types of players. He can go through them and break the tackles. That's what that's what Ramondre Stevenson thrives on. But he can't even get through the line most of the time. So whether it's on him to not he's not shooting the right hole or he's not making the right read at the offensive line, I'm sure that's happening. I think that's definitely happening in in some capacity. But the other capacity is that this line. This was only the second week that the line actually was intact, and I think Cole Strange got hurt in this game too, so he was out. You know, at some point, either yeah, that or City, yeah, I will say, City Show is coming up, dude. He's yes. coming up. He's I, coming I like up. him. I like him playing guard, and I like him when you're playing tackle. I think that they can build off that. But it, it, at some point, something's got to give, and who somebody's got to take the blame. And I think right now, I'm more more on the line of blaming the offensive line for not, you know, making the holes at the initial point of contact on most of these plays. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that Reminder Stevens is not, not at fault either for not being able to shoot the gaps or he bounce it outside if he has to or anything like that. Maybe it's 60, 40, you know, 75, 25, whatever you want to call it. But like I, I also think be... there's some kind of a groove you get in with a running back. Same thing with a quarterback, right? Yeah. You have a couple of plays in a row where you have a nice pocket, you can bounce around a little bit, make your reads, feel comfy. I think there's something to a running back being like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm gonna have time here to put my foot in the ground and pick something. And I think one of dude, Ramondre Stevenson last year was really good at like 
lining up a second level defender why he hadn't crossed the line yet like you would see him like a lot of jump cuts where the play would be here he would veer there have the linebacker move over a little bit and then jump cut the other way and then have a little bit more space to maybe get eight or nine yards instead of getting like four or five you know what i mean i thought that's what he was really good at i don't think he was really good at taking like a two-yard gain and turning it into a 50-yard gain. I think he was really good at taking like a three or a four-yard gain and turning it into like a 9, 10, 11, 12, 15-yard play because he's just bouncing off. Dude, he's he's a big dude. He, I mean, he's probably bigger than, what, 90% of safeties and corners and maybe the same size as most like linebackers and second-level defenders. Like, So I, I do agree that it's it's on him. I think that he needs – it's on him to find his own groove when it's not happening at the offensive line at, in, at the point of contact – at the first point of contact. But I, I do think that is it is – like you said, it's at least 60-40 on the offensive line. And, and the fact that they haven't been able to establish a consistent running game is the reason why the offense is in the position it's in because they thrive off play action. They thrive off, you know, getting getting ahead of the ahead of the sticks on every down where, you know, you're looking at second and six and then you're looking at maybe third and two versus third and eight, third and nine, or in a lot of cases, third and 12, third and 13 because they're going backwards. So I think that's where it stands. I mean, they got a matchup coming up this week against the commanders. Uh, who just traded two of their best defensive linemen. So maybe that bodes well for the Patriots. I mean, whether or not you want them to win or not is a whole nother, a whole nother conversation that we're not going to get into today. But you know, we'll see what happens. They got some some opponents that they, in theory, should be competitive against coming up over the next four to five weeks. We'll see what happens. And, you know, we are only Dude, they should point. go. They should go four and one, three and two at a minimum over the I next would say, five weeks. I would say four and one's a minimum. They should beat the next four I, guys. I the one loss I would say in the next five maybe be the Steelers, but they're a mess too. We're not we're not going to talk about them today, but like they're 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 a mess too. They have their own set of problems. But we want to talk about another team that has. I want to move on from the Patriots because I think if we could sit here and talk for freaking three hours about the Patriots. We'll talk about another beautiful football game here. Another beautiful football game down in the Meadowlands. The Battle of, of, of New York or New Jersey, if you want to call it that. The New York Giants taking on the New York Jets. And what a snooze fest this game was. There was, I think, a weather involved. It was pouring rain in no, the game. Dude, no, it, was it was a snooze fest, but the last five seconds, of the, five, the last five minutes of this game yes. were on straight up methamphetamines, dude. It Absolutely. was fucking great. Absolutely. The the Giants lose their quarterback. It wasn't Daniel Jones. He was out with injury. They lose Tyrod Taylor early. Fucking Danny DeVito out there. Early in this game. You got Tommy DeVito out there. The, the Giants threw the ball 14 times in this game, which is, you know, reminiscent <laughs> of when the Buffalo Bills played the Patriots a few years back. But, like, you know, I, you want to talk about dumb coaching? You want to talk about dumb coaching? Look no further than what Brian Dayball and the New York Giants did at the end of this game. They had the ball. They stopped the, oh the Jets. God. They yeah. stopped the Jets, you know, as they're driving to go, you know, to make, you know, they're on their line. We, we, could, we thought the game was over and that the Giants were going to be able to run the clock out. They're going to win the game. I think it was going to be 10-7. I think it was going to be the final yeah. score of this game. Real snooze fest. For some stupid reason, Brian Dayball sends his kicker, Graham Gano, out to, to make to, – I forget what the distance on the kick was – but it wasn't like a chip shot. It wasn't no. a chip shot. It didn't. It didn't change the. It didn't change anything. They, the, the Jets were still going to need a, a one possession to you know to either take the lead or tie the game. But for some reason, he said. I think I want to say it was like a fifty, a high forties, maybe a fifty yard field goal. Uh, that that regardless, he it was a dumbass field goal to yeah. kick at the time. Yes, it's like in, dude, the, in those elements. You know what? The rain, the weather that was going on, dude. I don't care if you're at like the thirty-two yard line. 
tell your punter to kick it out of bounds, right? To, you know, yeah. out, like, out of bounds, short of the end zone, maybe inside Don't the kick 10. it in the middle of the field. Or, oh yeah, yeah, just just squib it, just squib it, and make them make the just have to go. The, I think there was like twenty five seconds left in the game at that point. There was like no time left. Maybe it was a little bit more. Maybe we'll call, we'll call forty. I don't remember the exact number, but don't don't give the Jets a short field when they need a field goal if he misses it. All you had to do was punt it and make make the Jets go the distance, make them go fifty yards versus thirty to get this to get the tying field goal. And what do they do? They kick the field goal. Graham Goodall misses it. The Jets have a couple of really nice plays. I think Garrett Wilson had a really nice catch, you know, to set up the field goal. The Jets tie it with no time left. They get a real last-minute spike. I think it was one second left when the when the kick went up. And lo and behold, I think the Giants took the ball in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't go anywhere. They, I mean, I think they I think they, their, their total yardage on the passing in this game was minus two yards. You know, when you factor in the sacks, it was. They it was uh, actually. Yeah, it was my it was my minus a uh, minus seven yards with their sack <laughs> passing in this game. Uh, you take the ball. You got you like got nineteen eighty. You got a guy. You got your third string quarterback out there. Just punt the ball and put the hit put it in the hands of your defense. And lo and behold, the Jets find a way to win this game. They're they're now above five hundred without Aaron Rodgers. I don't think I saw yeah. that coming. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Jet, Zach Wilson protected the ball. He didn't throw any picks in this game. He did lose two fumbles, which was a problem. So maybe I shouldn't say he protected the ball, but he throwing the ball. He's usually good for one or two bad interceptions a game. He didn't. And as if I'm a Giants fan, man, I'm infuriated. And Brian Dable is not a guy that you want to say is going to get fired a year removed from winning coach of the year. But boy, is this a bad look for him? All he had to do was punt the ball. You had less than a minute left in the game. Jets had no timeouts. They had no timeouts. Uh, inexcusable mistake there. And I, I, I was just laughing. I, I think I texted you guys. I'm like, the Jets just lost because the Giants got the ball back. I texted you guys, the Jets lost. And then I'm like, I lied to you. It's going to overtime. Dude, <laughs> our, our friend was like, one minute he was like, I fucking hate football. And then two minutes later he was like, I fucking love football. The only two other points I want to make about this game are player related. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, if Kayvon Thibodeau Please. would have been well within his rights to walk into the fucking locker room and snuff Brian Dayball right in the mouth. Um, I thought that, uh, I always love players going at people on the internet. I don't, sometimes I think they're in the wrong, but I always love the content of it. Like, I think there was an NFL player like replying to dudes at halftime. The last year, Kayvon Thibodeau was like roasting people on Twitter. Mm -hmm. being Like, well, you're obviously not watching the game. If you think sacks is my only, whatever. I think he had four sacks in this game, three sacks in this game. Bro, he's probably punching air right now. Just gets so fucking mad about this game, dude. He played his fucking heart out. And then, um, dude, Brees Hall, is, Brees Hall is the dude. Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, they're fucking unbelievable. D- dude, Garrett Wilson, seven receptions for 100 yards. That's like 40% of passing offense. And, like, mm-hmm. the other – the other the other six, the other other six, another 40% of that was one Brees Hall catch. He just took to the house, dude. Mm-hmm. So explosive. Garrett Wilson is a great, great modern wide receiver. He's a great route runner. He has great hands, great contested catchability. Brees Hall is a great modern running back. He can run between the tackles. You can give him 30 touches a game, but he also can catch out of the backfield and take any touch he gets to the house at any point in time. I know it sucks that we're trying to we're trying to be a positive podcast tonight. It sucks that Zach Wilson sucks. Sucks that uh, that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. But it sounds like I've heard I've seen a lot on Twitter 
I'm not, I mean, I'm not like pushing for this in any way. I think that he should sit out until he's fully ready. But I think that the fact that Aaron Rodgers coming back is a real, like realistic possibility is like keeping this team alive. Absolutely. And yeah, you make some great points, even though Brees Hall was snuffed on the ground in this game. Yeah. Zach Wilson's your lead roster. We just contradicted ourselves. Yeah. No, it just shows his talent. It shows his talent. Like you say, he's him. Like, yeah, he had 12 carries for 17 yards. The Giants keyed in on the run game and a rain game. You expect that to happen. Giants oh, have shit, a decent right front. They have a decent front there. Well, now, now they don't because Leonard Williams was shipped out today. We didn't get into it in our trade deadline talk, but he was shipped out today. But, oh, well, dude, he comes out and catches six balls for 76 yards. And I know a lot of that chunk was in one play, but it just shows his big playability. So, so yeah. he's still him. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I had to touch on this, be, you know, because I watched it, you know, after I got, you know, home with my kid and i was just like oh my god i was like i was hoping the jets would lose because i don't want the patriots to finish in the basement of the division but like dude good for the jets man like they, they bought into what robert Sala's doing there and i think he's a good coach i don't think he's a buffoon like they've had in the past you know with rex ryan and all that i think he's a good coach so you know kudos to him um you know i i, I never want to see the jets fans rejoice in anything but I, I don't hate them with as much of a passion as i do the buffalo bills fans because the Jets just know they're just cursed they've been so cursed for so long and you know, you see Aaron Rodgers go down early in this in, in this year. You just see all of them freaking out. And it was kind of just like, oh, well, maybe we don't have it so bad, you know, with what we're dealing <laughs> with right now. But, yeah. So, you know, kudos to them for, for, for pulling out the victory. But, again, shame on Dayball. Shame on that decision to kick that field goal late oh, in that fuck. game. But um, I just want to let everybody that. know, full disclosure, um, just internal workings of Joe Sher. I have, um, I have officially started – researching ayahuasca huts just throwing that out there <laughs> we'll move on i have officially i have officially started researching if you go on my browser history there may or may not be ayahuasca hut retreats out there. i don't know if i want to see your browser history but we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there we'll move on from there yeah no um, scary ass place exactly so joe let's move on Talk to week, lists. week uh what week we week uh week nine coming up here joe Let's start talking about some picks for the next week. Some uh, some locks and some picks. Let's talk about fucking making some fucking goddamn money. Like this fucking podcast does to our fucking listeners. You slam us, you make some money. All you do is slam and cash checks. Okay? All right. Anyway, uh, we had a good week last week. Uh, I ended up going 3-0. and We had Burrs with a nice 1-2, and but... The one that hit was his lock. Thank you. And then we had a little long shot parlay with Kojak that did end up losing. But we did have a little bit of fun on Monday night with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but we did have Devontae Smith hit. So half of that parlay leg hit. So last week we went 4-3. and three. We were 2-0 and oh on our locks. Um, that brings us to a total of 11 uh, – sorry, 12-11-1 on the season with four with a, a lock record of four and three. So we're a little bit ahead of the curve here, which is astonishing with <laughs> the lack of football knowledge on this football podcast. <laughs> but uh, we'll just use that to transition into our picks uh, for this week. Uh, I'm going to work backwards here. Uh, so uh, a couple picks that I like here. Um, do you guys remember a couple years ago, maybe before, maybe like, Four years ago, five years ago, when uh, golf was still in uh, LA, first year with McVay, they had that high flying offense, and then KC went out there, and the total was like fucking fifty four and a half, or like fifty six and a half, or some fucking crazy shit. People were betting the under on that game. They're betting the fucking under on that game. 
I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those jackasses this week. I'm taking KC and Miami over 50 and a half. I think that is going to be an absolute point factory. You can play that game. I don't give a fuck if you're in London. You can play that game on fucking Mars and they're going to score 40 points each. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, I think that's a low number. If you think about it this way, if the, if, if anybody wins 27, 24, that hits. 27 24 is all you need for that to hit. Which, when you're talking about Miami, who scored 31 on a good Patriots defense last week, and you're looking at a, uh, a Kansas City team who only scored nine points last week in the snow, going over to um, going over to London, I think that's a really good bounce back move. I think that if you leave early in the week, it's really going to galvanize the team, and they're going to get together. And I think that at least at least 25 points out of the out of KC, probably at a minimum. Excuse me. Uh, next pick I want to move on to is Atlanta. They're playing the Falcons. They just got Josh Dobbs. Uh, I think they're going to have fucking the corpse of Fran Tarkington play quarterback in that game. So I think uh, we're we're we are a uh, I think we're an anti Desmond Ritter but pro Bijan Robinson podcast. I, I think we're um, don't I tread lightly there, but yeah, I think uh, I think th- they. I hope Arthur Smith looks at that sequence in the first quarter where they could have got up seven points and they put a fucking tight end and threw throw a pass instead of just handing it to the best the best rookie running back in the league um so i think i i I really hope they turn around that offense there i think desmond ritter could really benefit from a very steady dose of uh steady dose of a running game an effective running game especially with Bijan robinson who's kind of like a dual threat guy uh you can put him out there um in obvious passing downs and slip him something and go and, and kind of get a chunk play there. Uh, move on to my lock of the week. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep riding this. Uh, I'm going to keep riding on the back of the Ravens here. Five uh, minus five and a half. Um, I think they they finally hit their groove here. I really, really like Lamar Jackson uh, after he got paid. I really think that, um, that they're a kind of team that um, takes a little while to get going. I think the uh, the Truzz, T-R-U-Z-Z, is always going to be there. I think Harbaugh is a good coach. I think backing uh, good teams as a lock is kind of a winning formula here for us. Uh, Burge kind of taught me the way on that one. But um, they're playing Seattle, who's coming from the West Coast. West Coast going east doesn't usually have the best time. Uh, I think five and a half, less, much less than a touchdown there, should be easy pickings. So uh, just to recap there, starting from the top, we're going KC Miami over 50 and a half. We're going Atlanta minus four and a half. And then the lock of the week for Joe is going to be Baltimore minus five and a half at home versus the Seahawks. Burge, what are you thinking this weekend, bro? All right. So I'm going to start off with one of my picks here. I'm going to go with KC minus two and a half. I don't, I expect them to completely rebound from what the debacle was up in mile high. I know it's in, it's in, uh, it's in London against, or is it Germany? I forget. But it's in one of the two. Uh, they're playing the Dolphins, like you just talked about, Joe. I like I like the KC to re- rebound from this. The Dolphins didn't, you know, tried to give the game to the Patriots this week. They kind of looked, you know, not so sure-handed as they did in weeks past. You know, when they put up the seventy points and all that. So I like KC to kind of get right, as much as it pains me to say. But minus two point five, you know, you're looking at pretty much a coin flip in this game, you know, overseas. And I like KC to to, to win this game outright. And uh, my next pick, moving on, gonna go back to my Patriots here. Patriots playing the Commanders up in up here in Foxborough. I like the under forty one in this game. Is uh, what DraftKings Sportsbook right now is putting out there. 
I think these are two teams, you know, the, the commanders are selling off assets and the Patriots are completely lost on the offensive side of the ball. So I expect, I expect the Patriots defense to limit what Washington's offense is going to do. I know Washington has had some performances this year where they have put up points, but I like the Patriots. I think the Patriots defense is good enough. And I think they're coached well enough to be able to limit uh, a young quarterback like Sam Howell uh, and, you know, limit the, his top options at receiver in, you know, Jahan Dotson and T- Terry McLaurin. And I, I like them to keep the, the, the game close because, as we know, if the Patriots are going to win, it needs to be a low-scoring game. I expect it to be that way. I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't going to touch who was going to win this game because I really don't know. I really don't want to. I really want to stay away from this fade this game if you're going to pick against a spread. But in terms of the over/under, I like that number 41. So I'm going to go under 41. I expect this to be a low-scoring affair. My lock for the week is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. I really, I know the Bills just made an acquisition of a corner. I don't believe it's going to be enough to change the result of this game. I like that the Cincinnati Bengals have seemed, as we hit on earlier in this pod, they found their groove, their team that is going to be good to go this year. Um, you know, to make a run down the stretch here, you'll, you know, we'll get into a little bit of a topic on that as we close out this episode here. Um, but they are in Cincinnati too, so they're not going up to Orchard Park. Josh Allen continues to be an interception machine, a turnover machine. And I think that the Bengals are a really strong enough team to be able to counter that. I know he had some turnovers in the Thursday night game against Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay is not Cincinnati. They don't have the talent that Cincinnati has. And I I really truly believe that Cincinnati is going to be a team that is going to be, you know, a tough, a tough beat down the stretch of the season here. So give me the, give me the Bengals minus 2.5 at home against Buffalo Bills. That's an absolute lock. F you Buffalo. Kojak, I hear you got I, I hear you I hear you got a prop bet for us here. Let's 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 hear what you got. Yeah, I'm done betting on Amon St. Brown. Um so I am gonna turn my attention to my boy George Pickens. Uh he's got four four uh TDs this year so far. Love that. His his fucking picture video of him getting drafted is is Hall of Fame. I don't care who you are. Just a white beard with the ski mask on, and he's just staring at the, the TV. George Pickens, if you're living, if you're listening, George Pickens, please come on the pod. Please come on, please. or come to the ayahuasca hut with me. I don't. Care. <laughs> so picking him at any time, uh, score to score at any time plus one seventy, and I'm uh, parlaying it with you know the man himself who scores every fucking week, and no, it's not Christian McCaffrey, it's Tyreek Hill. No. Um, Minus 120. Parlay, parlay those two bitches together. You get plus 400. Nice. It's kind of incredible. Oh, wow. That's actually not bad. I like that number. George Pickens has come on. Yeah. How about yeah. the Steelers being able to 20 bucks wins you 100 bucks. They, they, Go they, ahead and slam Kojak this week, folks. Slam pause. it. Please. Please slam it. Fade, fade me, slam Kojak. Let's go. <laughs> That's the easy All right. formula for success there. So keep an eye out on us on on the uh, on the Twitter machine at BTP underscore podcast underscore. We'll be uh, live. We doing superlatives? We'll be, Don't plug it up. I'm not plugging it up yet. Please use uh, superlatives. Check in a check out our picks as as they uh, as they come out. You know we'll be uh, updating you as they hit as they go. So be sure to give it, get us go here. Final thing we want to get into tonight. I know we're running we're running a little bit long today, but we want to get into this. We're at the midway point of the season. So we want to pick. We want to. I, I want to pick a Super Bowl matchup, a winner from the AFC and the NFC. Who, who's going to be the Super Bowl matchup? Who's going to win that Super Bowl? And who is your MVP pick at the midway point of the season? Joe, take it away. 
Um, I hate going chalk. Uh, I think even though you're the contra- you are you are the contrarian of the group. I'm not a huge follow the consensus guy, especially for these big awards. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is is um, is going to be is going to be the MVP. Dude is. I was looking at his stats. Dude has 18 inter- uh, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2,400 yards, 70, 70, 70% completion rate, uh, a 109 QB rating with over 300 yards a game. Like, the dude's on fire. Uh, it kind of sucks that the only person you could probably make an argument for is fucking uh, is Tyreek Hill, who's his teammate. But uh, I think it's it's a quarterback centric league. The quarterback make, make the quarterback makes the team go. Two is playing out of his fucking mind right now. If he stays healthy, he's going to be here. All right. Well, I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to be the contrarian here. I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Shocking. Jalen Hurts. All right. I know his numbers okay. haven't all been there yet. His team is seven and one. Or yeah, seven and one. Dude, he's got 13 touchdowns through the air. And he's got six on the ground. All right. So he has thrown eight interceptions. So he hasn't been as good as he was last year. But I like him to build on what he's done in this first half of the season and to continue it. I, I don't see the Eagles kind of really falling off in the regular season as, you know, as, as the rest of the way goes. I know we had some question marks with them. They got off to a little bit of a slow start. I know they were winning the games, but they were winning them in kind of weird fashions. Not, not what you're accustomed to with seeing with, with over the last year and a half, three years of that or so of that. And I think he got screwed last year because he got hurt. He got hurt. He was the MVP last year until he got hurt. And I like him to continue, you know, what he was doing last year, this year, down the stretch of the season, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be my pick. I know a lot of, that's not the consensus right now. That's not, you know, you know, even maybe a top three pick right now, but he's the guy that I want to see, you know, continue doing what he's doing and be the MVP at the end of the year. I fuck heavily with Jalen Hurts, just as a, as a human on earth, just, just fuck heavily with him. I think he's a great guy. Not yeah. a big Philly guy. I like... Oh, I almost said something really bad. I'll tell you guys what I almost said. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't like Philly at all. Uh, the only redeeming quality about Philly is that Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. Other mm-hmm. than that, I think it's a city of uh, scumbags and absolute yes. trash cans. Yes. Um, but I love – I love, I, I kind of love how the Eagles have done it. They've done it organically. They've drafted really well. And I love – I fucking love Jalen Hurts. I love what he stands for. Go, Jack. You got an MVP? I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me, but this hasn't been done since 1997. And I think it's going to be a running back. CMC? It's going to be CMC. Dude, I almost went that route. I'm so glad I didn't. I almost went that route. It's going to be Miami San Fran. And CMC is going to toss 150 and two touchdowns. There we go. All right. So we're starting off. We're moving right on. We got our CMC. MVP pick by Kojak, and we got his Super Bowl matchup of Miami and San Fran, huh? In 97, like it. it was uh, Terrell Davis of the uh, Broncos. Wow. Wow. Been a while. I, think, I thought Adrian Peterson won it sooner than that. I thought he won it in like I don't think he was a Super Bowl MVP. Oh. Maybe oh, you're talking Super Bowl MVP or are you talking actual MVP? Super Bowl MVP. No, we're talking about MVP of the league and then the matchup in the Super Bowl, brother. Oh, great. Well, yeah. How about you pay well, he, attention, buddy? <laughs> he, he, but your Christian McCaffrey pick is valid. I like that it's pick. Valid, it's a valid pick. 
I All right, we'll get MVP that. and Super Bowl MVP. There you go. Love it. Just oh, your juice box and fucking suck it, Joe Sure. <laughs> Stick it out in your juju box. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So, all right. right in the F and JJBs. Joe, you taking notes on this and on our picks here for the Super Bowl and stuff? Let's make it happen. I'm I'm going to oh, be. Yeah, Wait, hold on. Fuck. Hold on. Here we go. Here we fucking go. All right, hold on. <laughs> figure it out, please. Hey, college boy, take some fucking notes, douchebag. All right, there's mine. All right, and then Kojak, you said uh, the Saints versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Niners, 49ers, who? Uh, Miami. And then uh, Niners win. Yes, right? Who yeah. wins? Who wins? Niners win? Okay, yeah, he did yeah. say that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hopefully, the running back of the team. That, yes. Anyway. Anyways, um, yep, doing great. Bird, you want to go? Or you want me to go? I'll go. I'll go. So, so like like we said, my MVP of the league is Jalen Hurts, but my Super Bowl matchup that I am going with is the Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers. I like them to. Bro, no fucking way, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, man. You should you should have went first. <laughs> I know. This, I was trying to be I, a good guy. Bengals, Bengals are dot are gonna get are. Right at the ship already. The Niners will fix whatever has gone on in the last three weeks. And I like the Super Bowl MVP to be Mr. Joe Cool himself, Joe Burrow. I have the Bengals winning that Super Bowl against the 49ers. Joe? Bengals. Well, now I got, I'm typing everything down and I get fucked. It's nice. be crazy if Brock Purdy beat Joe Burrow. You got to ring before Joe Bengals. Burrow. It would be very over crazy. 40, Bengals over 49ers? Bengals over 49ers. I want the Bengals to I, I really believe 49ers. in them. It pains it pained me to not pick the Detroit Lions to be in the Super Bowl. As much as I am rooting for them to be there, I just don't know if they're they're a Super Bowl matchup yet. Okay, that so may change, I went a little change. deeper. I went a little deeper and I have a little bit more analysis to how I came to my same exact pick as Barrage. But uh, I have a a Bengals at Dolphins AFC championship game. And then I have a Lions at 49ers um, NFC Championship game. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my NFC Championship <laughs> champion to the Lions. So it's going to be Bengals over the Lions in the Super Bowl. And uh, Joey B is going to uh, win the MVP. But I already have my MVP as uh, Tua, just so everybody knows. But um, what was I going to say? I think uh, I was going to say this regardless of either um, if I had them in my uh, NFC Championship game or my Super Bowl. I think this uh, postseason is actually going to be the one that uh, makes the 49ers go out and sign an actual quarterback. So I think that uh, Kirk Cousins tearing his ACL, uh, tearing his Achilles and being on a discounted deal next year is actually going to work against the league. Because I think if he ends up at the four, in, in, in if he ends up in San Francisco, I mean, you saw what he was doing with like decent maybe above average weapons in 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 minnesota watch out when you see that dude with fucking two all pro wide receivers a legit uh a a a coming closing in on hall of fame tight end and and a closing in on hall of fame fucking running back absolutely absolutely love it i think we should revisit these picks and we'll say like four weeks we'll see where we're at and see if we want to get them safe i got them safe these won't be on the google drive so we don't have to delete them yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes over the next four weeks. See if we want to make any adjustments. If anybody gets majorly injured or, you know, teams start to fall off. So 
yeah, you got our picks there for, you know, the midway point of the season. I think uh, this is a good point to kind of plug up the episode here because we are running a little bit longer than we normally do. So we appreciate you. If you stuck around, listen to us at this point, we appreciate it. Um, real quick. I want to get, I want to, I want to give a shout out to the hockey podcast that I do because he are, we love shouting out the BTP boys on, on the two pad stack. That's the two pad stack podcast. We're with the primetime group as well. So if you're into hockey, be sure to check us out. Unique podcast from a, a viewpoint of two goalies. Hockey goalies that play, so we break down, you know, the Bruins and the NHL from that perspective. So feel free to check us out at Two Pad Stack Pod on on Twitter. So we appreciate all that. Also, real quick, if you are looking to go to a game, any game, any sporting event, if you use SeatGeek and you use the code Two Pad Stack Pod, that's the number two stack S T A C K Pod, you'll save twenty dollars off your first order uh with SeatGeek. So if you're looking to go to a game, use that code, you'll save save 20 bucks. So be sure to uh to use that code if you're going to go to a pay, you know, Patriots game, NFL and if game. Use NBA. that if you keep using that code and you keep getting your 20 bucks off, eventually BTP will get the 20 bucks, a <laughs> $20 code, and then you'll get another $20 yeah. off to go to another event. So help me help you help me, okay? Uh, absolutely. So yeah, appreciate that. As always, you can follow the BTP fellas on the Twitter or X. I still call it Twitter. I'm going to always call it Twitter at BTP underscore podcast underscore. I'm on Twitter at Burge the Goalie. Joe Schur is at the underscore Juicy Jew. Kojak is at Allen13Brennan. Any final thoughts? No, I'm just glad that we got our superlatives out of the way and they were exactly the same. Good, good <laughs> coordination always. on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again for tuning in. And we'll catch you all next week. Have a good week. Enjoy the games. Love you guys.